welcome to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. We are into the political season, edging closer to the May 7th primary election. All nine Fisher City Council seats are up for election in 2019. In the Republican primary, Brad DeRemer, the incumbent, is running for re-election in the Northeast District. I spoke with Brad DeRemer during the evening of Tuesday, March 5th. I'm at the Hamilton East Library uh, here in downtown Fishers. You can't miss it. It's right next to the new police headquarters. And I'm in the Ignite space. It's in the lower level of the library, and we are in the television and, and radio, and uh, actual music uh, recording is done here quite a bit. So uh, we're here. The Ignite space is, is a dream for any kind of artist. You have all sorts of artistic um, supplies here. You have 3D printers, and we have even a, a video and audio production studio, again, which is where we're recording this. If you'd like to have a tour of the Ignite space, come anytime. The Hamilton East Library, public library here in Fishers, is open, and one of the librarians will be very glad to give you a full tour. My guest today is Brad DeRemer. He's a candidate for re-election for Fisher City Council. He represents the Northeast District and just finishing up his first four-year term on the Fisher City Council. Brad, welcome. Good to have you. Thank you, Larry. Appreciate it. And uh, before we get started, yes. I would just like to commend you for all the time and effort that you do with the Larry and Fishers, your articles and a reporter. Uh, we thank you very much for covering Fishers. We sure appreciate it. Yeah, well, I appreciate you saying that. Sometimes I get up and wonder why I do this but uh, as a volunteer, but I guess I just feel like somebody needs to do this. I, yeah, you do a great job. We well, appreciate thank it. you. I get up in the morning and I think, why am I going to this <laughs> meeting today? But I do. And, uh, it, and the podcast I love from my radio days is uh, kind of reliving my past. Well, let's open this up as I open a lot of these. Uh, because uh, there are always new people moving into Fishers. Plus, you know, city council is not quite as high profile as the mayor's office. So just uh, spend a few minutes and and, then tell the audience about yourself. Uh, First of all, uh, my beautiful wife and I have been married 39 years. Uh, She had three kids. I had two. And between us, we have 14 grandchildren Mm. with one great-grandchildren on the way, which she doesn't want to admit. (laughs) I was uh, born in Griffith, Indiana, uh, Lake County, Indiana. I'm a region rat. Uh, two degrees from Purdue and service in the military. Uh, one year working in Miami and then came back to Greenfield, Indiana, and uh, realized that I needed to be self-employed. So I consider myself a serial entrepreneur, um, own eight different companies. Uh, money doesn't drive me. It's the goal of taking a business from nothing and bringing it up. So started with one engineering company in Greenfield. Uh, also at that time, I was a county surveyor because that was a part-time job. Then in the 80s, John Schneider and I owned Schneider Engineering. And then uh, I thought I wanted a restaurant, but I didn't know how to cook. <laughs> so I was approved. Well, you don't necessarily have to know how to cook, right? To run a right. restaurant? So I was approved to McDonald's uh, franchisee, went through that program, graduated Hamburger University. I'm proud I have that diploma next to my Purdue diplomas. And then switched to Hardee's and owned two Hardee's, one in Oakland and one in New Palestine. Uh, then my wife and I, we owned uh, Dream World Travel, travel agency. She was the number one travel agency in the state of Indiana for American Transair sales uh, for little old Greenfield. Uh, real estate company, um, 
Uh, well, then we uh, designed a, a custard shop, uh, competed with Mr. against Mr. Ritter and his Ritters, um, a little uh, building. So uh, eight different companies. And then I retired, um, sat at home one day reading an article. Uh, Mitch Daniels was our great governor at that time, and he was lambasting mayors for wasting money. And I thought, I can do that. I'll run for mayor, treat the city like a company, turn it around, and do what the governor's asking mayors to do. So I ran for mayor of Greenfield, won by seven votes. Seven, <laughs> seven votes. votes. I won by 10, but I lost three in a recount. So and it's officially seven. And did exactly what the mayor did. Uh, I reduced millions of dollars of taxpayers' money, uh, reduced the payroll, the number of employees it takes to efficiently run a city. And I was a one-term mayor. Uh, I did try to compete with Brainer in a bill more roundabouts than he did <laughs> in Carmel. So I had fun doing that. You built but roundabouts in Greenfield? I built five roundabouts in oh, Greenfield. Nobody's ever done it before. Nobody's ever done it afterwards. So. so how did you end up uh, from being the mayor of Greenfield to being a, a business fixture there? Why did you decide to come to Fishers? Uh, that's a great question. While I was mayor, I was looking for mentors. I was a businessman, but I'd never been in politics. So I looked for mentors and I had two mentors. Uh, mayor John Ditzler, uh, the present mayor, uh, was one of my mentors. Uh, gave me great advice. would come up here and visit. And then my second one who gave me the most help was Gary Huff, the Fishers town manager. Spent a lot of time up in Fishers. As the mayor of Greenfield, I went through the Fishers Citizen Academy oh, okay. and brought my parks department up here, here <clears throat> to learn some things. So uh, I was accused of trying to make Greenfield like Fishers, uh, which I was, because the quality of life in Fishers is what I was looking for. So at the end of my term in December 2011, uh, we bought a house and moved up here into the Dell Webb community um, in Britain Falls. And uh, just love it. Uh, we've got grandchildren here, uh, but the quality of life is what I wanted in Fishers. And that's when we moved up and then decided to run for city council. I did not want to be mayor ever again, <laughs> but I thought city council, with my experience and knowledge and wisdom, uh, maybe I could help out. Well, you now you've served one, nearly a full term. Um, and it, it, the four-year term will be in, and will, but you were elected to do will end this year. Correct. But So you've decided to run for re-election. So yes. what motivated you to do that? Excuse me, what motivated you to do that? The, the a couple of reasons that I ran, and, and this may sound funny, but the mayor was in his early early 30s. And my kids never listened to me. So I thought, <laughs> why would the mayor listen to an older gentleman? <laughs> so uh, I thought, you know, somebody does need to protect the over 55 generation. And uh, so that's one of the reasons I ran for it. And, and to kind of prove my point, uh, the mayor came out to campaign at Britain Falls, and I was standing there with him. And he said, what can I do for Britain Falls? And I said, well, we got Cynthia Park right next door, build a couple pickleball courts. And he said, what's a pickleball court? And I said, well, take it back to your parks department. They'll know what to do. And I said, we need four pickleball courts. So he goes back to the parks department, and the parks department says, what's a pickleball court? <laughs> so you can see why I needed to run for city council. <laughs> How many you've got? You have four out there. Uh, I have, to, and I have to commend the mayor. He did yeah. listen. He built four pickleball courts. 
They became so popular, you couldn't get on them, and he agreed to build two more. We needed four more, and our pickleball society in Britain Falls took a gentleman named Steve Cage, who plays pickleball, I think he may have a pickleball in his home, to the meeting, and the mayor said, I can only afford two more. Steve stood up and says, I'll pay for the other two. So Steve Cage ended up paying for the other two. So we have now eight pickleball courts in Cynthia Park, and we Rip Fishers is getting a reputation all across the state of Indiana for pickleball. Well, I remember that. I think I was at that meeting. And, yes, Mr. Cage did uh, step forward. And I will also say that now that uh, you've got all those pickleball courts at Cynthia Park, you may get some national or at least regional tournaments. We are getting tournaments. And we have some very talented players that go across the whole United States, uh, won some tournaments in Florida, and I think one competed in Costa Rica or someplace. So uh, we've got an active community in pickleball. And the nice thing is the kids are starting to play it. So that is neat that we're getting the next couple generations involved. I guess in the best it. way I can describe it, if you've never seen it, it's just a form of tennis without quite the same exertion. Correct. It's only yeah. half of the tennis court, yeah. and it's with a baseball wiffle ball mm-hmm. uh, with like uh, a ping pong paddle, and there's not as much exertion. And if you're not good at tennis, you could be good at pickleball. That's possible. Yeah. Well, um, of course, the seat you're running for is one of nine, as you're very well aware. And Fishers, when uh, Fishers became a city, went through that transformation with the uh, referendum earlier 2012. Uh, The voters uh, voted in a second-class city. The mayor's the executive. the, The city council, of course, is the legislative branch. One of the most important responsibilities of any city council under Indiana law is is, appro- is approving the annual budget. You have the chance to review it. The mayor submits his budget, and you go through it and make the changes you feel need to be made, if there are any. Although here, I, the mayor mostly gets his budget, but we'll get into that later. My question to you is, how have you approached this whole budget process, and how would you plan to uh, do that in the second term of your, if you're able to be elected for a second. Term. Since you brought up the uh, city situation, I'd, I'd like to address that. Sure, that's fine. Uh, the first thing I got involved politically when I moved up here was with a city yes committee to promote Fishers becoming a city. I feel this is just Brad's opinion. Uh, Fishers needed a mayor 20 years ago, and I sincerely feel since we did not have a mayor that if we had had one 20 years ago, I think you would be looking at a totally different Fishers. Here's the reason why. When you're a town council, the site developers and the CEOs of the world will not deal with you. So the economic development of Fishers was probably almost nil. They, these site developers want to deal with mayors. And when I was mayor of Greenfield, 75% of my time was spent on economic development. I imagine Scott Fadness is spending 110% on economic development. They will deal with mayors. They won't deal with town councils because there's no power structure there. There's no decision making there. So Fisher should have been a city, in my opinion, years ago. And because we have become a city, you can see the tremendous amount of economic development that the mayor and others, launch fishers, et cetera, are bringing in just in, in the four-year period. Of course, I need to point out that uh, launch fishers was hatched during the town days. Right. It was Scott Fadness's idea. Uh, the other right. thing is the, the, the you know, when you see the uh, development downtown, the uh, – um, the the the, ba- the, uh, the two major uh, structures that came up mm-hmm. in the early years were both 
put together during the town. Yeah, the, the, what I always found in covering town government for about three years is that uh, you, when you have a mayor, you have one person who kind of sets forward. But when you have a town, you have to convince four people. Correct. That's which, the problem. Four. Even, even though you have a town council president, you have to convince four of the seven to go along. And you're saying that's why That's why site difficult. developers yeah. won't deal with them because they now have to meet with four different people where with the mayor, you meet with one and the mayor has the power to make decisions. So, yeah. And site developers, you, you got to remember, these guys are dealing with the whole world. 24-7, and they don't have time to jack with four people when they can go to a city and deal with one. I was at a recent uh, finance committee meeting for your city council, and uh, one thing they like to talk about is that we in Fishers, for our city tax rate, has we have one of the lowest property tax rates in the state. They quoted me a, a rate. They said it was already approved by the county at 0.6915, which basically means uh, you you pay about sixty nine cents on every hundred dollars of assessed valuation. Not quite that simple. There are deductions and other machinations, but essentially that's the starting point. Uh, so that's uh, and again, it, uh, when your assessed valuation goes up, sometimes you do. There are caps, but sometimes sure. that also brings more money in and and does uh, raise people's taxes. Probably the most common reason people have a tax increase is an increase in the assessment if they haven't reached that cap. But mm-hmm. I guess my question to you in, in citing that specific statistic is, do you think Fishers is situated to keep a very stable tax rate with the way uh, uh, city finances are set up now for the next four years? Uh, the mayor and I disagree on this subject. <laughs> well, explain your view. Uh, the, the mayor, uh, rightfully so, likes to brag that we have the lowest tax rate. I feel that we need to brag about the quality of life that Fishers offers the residents and then ask the residents, are you willing to pay to maintain that quality of life? And I think the answer is yes. And that means there's times where we need to raise the taxes. And I think we should have been raising our taxes more than what the mayor wanted to. Our fire department needs some more money. Our police department needs some more money. Our planning department needs some more money. Our IT department needs some more money. But we can't raise the taxes and give it to them. And that's where, as an ex-mayor who understands taxes and providing services, there's got to be that equilibrium someplace where you provide the service that your residents expect, but they have to pay for it. And I think our taxes could be a little higher and provide some more services. But that's just Brad's opinion. Well, that's a novel political position to take, isn't it? Yes. And uh, politically, it's probably stupid because if I raise taxes, I won't get reelected. I was elected to represent the residents, not worry about getting reelected. And if I can provide the services at a fair tax rate, then I would hope I would get reelected. Another side of that coin is debt. And that was also discussed at that city council finance committee meeting I went to recently. And the figure that was quoted for the city's current debt, which does include all the TIF debt and does include the trail and the road projects that are tied to that specific $15 million bond, mm-hmm. the, the, the figure that was cited is $329 million. Now, for a city of over 91000 now in population, uh, what's your view? Is that a reasonable amount of debt to have for a city the size of Fishers? Yes, I, I think it is. Yes, I don't have a problem with it, especially when you compare us to poor Carmel, (laughs) who uh, people think maybe has too much debt. 
Well, so, they have considerably more debt than we yeah, do. Considerably more, yes. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so that's, we won't talk about Carmel. Right. <laughs> that's, we'll let them take care take of their care own of election. Yeah, okay. they've got a contested election as well. <laughs> Mayor Scott said, as I saw him speak recently, and, and he mentioned something I've heard before, but it, it's something that I think we all need to be aware of that of the amount of land that is, that is possible to develop within the city limits of Fishers. There's only about 5% of that land yet to be developed. Correct. A lot of that land is in your district. Correct. So my question to you is, how? what type of development would you like to see in that 5% of land, a lot of it in that northeast district? Um, because we only have 5%, there's not a lot of choices left. Um, going back to, if we'd gone back 20 years, um, I feel that a city should have industry, commercial, and residential. If you do the math, and I'm a math freak, your less your personal property taxes stay down for your homeowners if you have the industry and the commercial to support it. We have basically zero industry here, and I disagree with that. But that's what happened to Fishers, and it will never have any industry. Uh, just in Greenfield, my three Japanese plants generated millions of dollars for me for taxes for the residents just on 40 acres. So um, I disagree with that. The, uh, the past 20 years of Fishers not have an industry. Uh, the commercial uh, is tough to compete with Noblesville, to be honest with you. Um, I kid Mayor Ditzler uh, that if I'd been mayor 20 years ago, he would have never got Hamilton Town Center. <laughs> no way would he have gotten that. But, uh, in fact, I invite Ditzler, uh, Mayor Ditzler out to Britain Falls to speak, and he says, why are you inviting me out? And I said, Britain Falls spends more money in Noblesville than we do in Fishers, so you owe us at least coming out and talking to us. <laughs> and you he are, does. You're very close to yeah. Hamilton Town Center. It's right across two miles away. So and That's right where Fishers and, uh, and Noblesville come together the hospitals are in fishers right and the uh, the commercial most of that commercial, commercial. development is, is in noblesville. Yeah, noblesville all that commercial money going to noblesville yeah the uh, northern part uh is planned for a medical north of 136 in the interstate it's not developing that way um they're trying to stick with that i think we need to look at a totally different concept for that that's just my opinion um, we need some more commercial. Uh, there's 4,000 lots, I think, have been developed out there. Uh, the people out there want a grocery store, uh, but from what I hear, we'll never get a grocery store. Uh, we are going to get, hopefully, a uh, coffee shop and a bakery uh, this summer at the corner of Southeastern and uh, Cynthia Road, the old schoolhouse, Schoolhouse oh. 7. Okay. Uh, a gentleman that works for Melvin Simon, engineer, bought that, mm-hmm. fell in love with it, remodeled it, spent too much money remodeling it, but <laughs> saved uh, an old schoolhouse. So we'll have uh, something there. So, yeah, we need a little bit more commercial in that area, uh, but it'll probably fill out uh, with residential for the rest of uh, Fishers, Larry. The uh, city has utilized incentives, many incentives, uh, to attract the development that it has. You know, tax abatement is one, uh, impact fee waivers, rezoning when required, and, of course, tax increment financing, which is TIF for mm-hmm. short. What are your views about the incentives the city should or should not utilize in trying to <clears throat> track development? The And I'll honestly answer this with, with – I'm not being critical of the mayor. I have never set in on any of the negotiations. So to answer that – wouldn't it really be fair because I haven't sat across the table knowing what do I have to give away or when can I walk away? When I was mayor, 
I did not give as much as Fishers is giving. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but I'm just saying I was different. Uh, I didn't give as much away because I didn't feel I should obligate the next mayor behind me for the next 20 years. Most of my deals I try to keep to 10 years, not 20. Because each mayor that comes in has their own vision. And if they're locked down with debt, may not be able to accomplish their vision. And I didn't think that was fair, uh, looking to the future. But without me setting in on the negotiations, not knowing, um, it, it's hard to criticize. I think the answer, I don't think anybody can answer that today. The answer will be in 20 years. Did Mayor Fadness make the right decisions? And then we'll be able to answer. Because like I'm sitting here 20 years after Fisher saying they screwed up by not having a mayor and we're going to pay for it by not having industry, et cetera, to keep the taxes low. So we won't know probably for 20 years whether those decisions were right. Does the mayor brief the council? I know you're allowed to discuss at an executive session when you're negotiating with someone. Uh, do you get these? Uh, by the time things? it gets to us, the negotiations are done. Okay. We're, we're just – we have the final – uh, they're executive sessions, but they're finalized. The the ladies and gentlemen that come in are it's the last leg, and for us to sit there and say no after he spent months or a year negotiating uh, probably wouldn't be fair. So you would, in general, um, how would you view the general looking taking everything into consideration the city's approach to economic development? Uh, the uh, the mayor's smart, vibrant, entrepreneurial is unique. Me being an entrepreneur 30, 40 years of my life, I totally understand the concept. And it is neat. I had the opportunity to live in Cary, North Carolina for one year outside Raleigh-Durham, which is the East Coast IT, and learned tremendous amount from that. And is what the mayor is doing 20 years later is what has been done on the East Coast. The Midwest, of course, is always last. Um, so he's playing catch up with California and the East Coast. Uh, and as what is neat and exciting for me as an entrepreneur, we're becoming known as an entrepreneurial city. And that is neat and fun. So we're going to get a lot of businesses. A lot of them are small. Some will fail. But some of them are going to become the next sales force. Because that gentleman was from Greenfield that started mm -hmm. uh, the company, that Target, that sold the sales force. Sure. Yeah. That so, was, yeah, exactly. Target was taken over by Salesforce. Yeah, and, and, that was a pretty. And Chris, and Chris was from Greenfield. That was a, a well-known yeah. uh, tech company oh, that did grow up yeah. out of uh, little, in Indiana. Little, little old Greenfield, little and Greenfield look what he did with it. Mm -hmm. uh, you've uh, seen the plans uh, for the Nickel Plate Trail. Mm -hmm. It was unveiled, and there were a lot of ideas in there. What's your What's your view on, on that? That that uh, the mayor's taken a lot of hit on that, and, and let me give you my opinion. Uh, when I was mayor 10 years ago, uh, the companies would come in, and let's say they had their top five, top ten list, whatever, doesn't matter. And when I was mayor, 208, 9, 10, and 11, the employee was never listed. Now, this is just 10 years ago. When we go into an executive session with every one, 100%, the employee is listed number two. What are you going to do for my employees? Where are the trails for my employees? Where can my employees bicycle? Where can my employees walk to work? Where can my employees walk to lunch? They're building um, the showers and everything inside the new buildings for the employees to come and need a shower before they go to work. And I'm sitting there as an ex-mayor flabbergasted. This has only been 10 years 
And the whole thing has changed that the employee has become very important. These are the millennial employees. Uh, one story, I hope I'm not telling a tale, uh, an, uh, an older gentleman and his wife owned a company in his 60s. And he came in and asking for this stuff. And he said, I don't understand it. But I know if I don't get it from my employees, I won't have any employees. So it's just something that the millennials are demanding. The nickel plate trail, uh, Mayor Fattis gets hit for that. And I'm telling you, in the four years that I've been experienced, that trail was not caused by the mayor. That trail was caused by economic development. The companies coming to this city are demanding it. We had no choice. So the, the trained people, I respect their – don't blame the mayor for that. Blame all the companies that are coming to Fishers because they're demanding it, and we have no choice but to try to hook all these trails up. Now, also, my experience, I was in Cary, North Carolina in 2000, 19 years ago. I could get up at 6 in the morning and walk trails and never have to get off the trails for 12 hours. Indiana is so far behind the East Coast for trails. It's sad. 19 years ago, you could do this. 19 years ago, if a developer wanted to build a 40-acre subdivision, he had to donate all of the land for the school so the school corporations weren't hurt by all the growth. So Indiana's way behind on their trails, and i, I got to give Mayor Fatness credit for trying to play catch-up, but he's not the bad guy in this situation <laughs> at all. Speaking of bad guy, <laughs> you sat right across from me. What it? a year or two ago and explained why you thought the city should take over what was then the Fisher's Freedom Festival and, and make it a city festival. The first one was uh, Spark Fisher's run by the city uh, last year, and there's another one uh, with the same name planned mm -hmm. in the year right now. So explain why you, because I, as I recall, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but as I recall you telling me, you felt that the subsidies for the Freedom Festival were too high. Correct. And that the the city taking it over, and in your view, is that someday some nonprofit or service club will take it over as they did in in Greenfield for you? So explain your position on that. Coming from Greenfield, Riley Day Festival, which is a festival Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I think I don't want to exaggerate. Somebody can correct. I think is the third largest festival in the state of Indiana. It's a big one, yeah. and it is run with volunteers. And to come up here to find the city spending, I don't know, seventy-five, eighty thousand, or whatever it was, I thought was a waste of taxpayers' money. When we did it in Greenfield with volunteers, why can't we do it in Fishes with volunteers? Now, uh, we did the same thing. We provided the police protection and the street departments to help with the garbage and the electrical. We own our own electric company, electric to to wire it up. Uh, so uh, Mayor Fatness does the same thing. He provides the uh, firemen and the police. So that that's uh, understandable. Although is what I did to save taxpayers money there. Uh, the sheriff was a friend of mine, and I went across the street, and all the nonviolent prisoners, he gave those to me for five days, and they helped with the garbage. They helped with security. Uh, he would buy a pizza, and the sheriff would buy a pizza at night. <laughs> and I had so many uh, helping me, so that cut thirty thousand out of uh, taxpayers' money that we didn't have to pay the street department to do that. So I helped save tax money there. So that was my feeling. Why are we subsidizing the Freedom Festival? Nothing against the people running it or anything else, but if I can do a five-day festival, why are we paying for a two-day festival? 
So you're happy with the way it's worked out? So yes. Far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think it, I think it'll continue to grow. The yard is under construction, and uh, sh- some of the shops should be open later this year, as I understand it. My question isn't so much about that. My question is that there's a real debate going on and discussion going on amongst council members, the city, uh, and the mayor and his staff about a housing issue. We don't really have mass transit uh, to speak of from Indianapolis to, to Fishers at all. So if we're going to have an increase in these sorts of jobs, restaurant jobs, other types of jobs, and you know, the current restaurants need people as well, uh, there, there's a lot of discussion about how to deal with the housing issue or else we're not going to find people to work in these businesses. How, what's your view on that at this point? I'm probably the minority on the city council. Uh, I come from Greenfield. Uh, the average home was $124,000. Uh, I come up here and the average home is $356,000. Um, the individual that works in the retail or the food industry cannot afford a $356,000 home. Uh, I think the mayor, and I, I might be quoting this wrong, admitted that 55% of the Fishers' employees can't afford to live in Fishers. Now, that's kind of sad. We need affordable housing for all of those people so they can live and work here. The mayor professes smart, vibrant, entrepreneurial work and play in the same city. These people can't work and play. They have to live someplace else and then come here to work. And it's already been affecting. I've been in some restaurants just in the last week, and um, the girl uh, said, it's a 20-minute wait. And I looked around the corner, and half the restaurant was empty. And I said, ma'am, I'm sorry, half the restaurant's empty. She says, we can't staff it. Mm-hmm. So what do you do to deal with this problem? I mean, you've, you kind of laid out what it is. How do you deal with it as a city? You, you build subdivisions and apartments that are affordable for those uh, people with that kind of income to live. With only 5% of the land that's uh, development there's not ready. Much, there's so not much left. There's not much left. That is correct. With um, I'm going to ask you the same question I ask every candidate at the end of any kind of a podcast interview. I'm somebody living in the Northeast District. I'm going to be voting in the Republican primary this May 7th or vote early, whatever. And I said, Mr. Brad DeRemer, explain to me why I should vote for you. What, what's your answer? First of all, uh, if you look at my resume, entrepreneur, entrepreneurial city. Uh, mayor, been there, done that. Uh, county surveyor, engineering, uh, real estate, land development, building. Uh, my resume shows that I can cover everything that a city does. Um, and uh, being that I uh, am over 55, I will definitely <laughs> protect the over 55. You and I have that in common. Right. And, and the other thing that, that I, I do, and I, I don't want to make an issue out of it, I uh, am a big proponent of making the developers and the builders abide by the PUDs. And a lot of that has not happened in the last 20 years. That's a planned years. unit development. For Correct. Planned, thank you. Planned unit development. Yes, and that and I we don't have time to get into that issue, but you you you've been working on with the mayor on a solution when d- dealing with developers and handing off to HOAs. We can't really get into that in detail because we're about out of time. But that has been one of your pet issues. That has been a lot of my effort the last three years working with Avalon, Gray Eagle, Britton Falls. Yes, Brad Dreamer, you are seeking re-election for the Northeast District Council seat. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Larry. I really appreciate it. My thanks to Brad DeRemer for taking the time to speak with me about his campaign for re-election. 
to the Fisher City Council Northeast District. Remember, Election Day is May 7th. This is the Larry in Fishers podcast. My name is Larry Lannon. I write the LarryInFishers.com local news blog from Fishers, Indiana, a suburban community northeast of Indianapolis. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.